Hello, hello. It's the 8th of February and you are listening into Small Talk Episode 7. Uh, today we're going to be talking about the engineering dilemma uh, or more so I think the big words I've placed over there in the middle of the screen which uh, is simply go. Uh, so we're going to dive in a little bit of the context later on, don't worry about it. Um, and, and let you guys know, I think, whether you're watching this live or uh, listening to this later on. Uh, on, you know, what exactly is this about? Like, how is this an engineering problem that, uh, you know, we, we could be talking about? And how does it impact, you know, us uh, engineers and non-engineers alike in real life? Right, just, but because, uh, before we go on, uh, just to mention a little bit about Socials for uh, Big World Development, which uh, is the organization running Small Talk. Uh, so yeah, small talk. Uh, it's just this segment, uh, podcast-related segment that where we used to discuss, uh, you know, different issues affecting society, affecting you know our uh, careers uh, in this industry, and how we can help you know uplift each other, help each other grow. All right. So yeah, on to today's topic. All right, the engineering dilemma. Simply go. But before I begin, I would like to bring in a few of my guests today. Uh, so let me bring them in one by one and uh, introduce them. So first off, we have uh, Harizwan. Yay. Hey, Harizwan. This is like so many times already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he's a DevOps engineer from Kiteworks. Uh, some of you might uh, have seen him. Uh, or remember him. I mean, not might have seen him. You have seen him many times. But uh, yes, uh, he's a DevOps, DevOps engineer from Kiteworks. Okay. And next, uh, bringing in Koo. Hey, Koo. So he's the uh, co-founder, uh, practicum director of Data Science Regs. So welcome, welcome. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me back here again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So before we jump into this topic today, uh, I just want to build in a very quick context for I think anyone who is maybe listening to this, especially if let's say you are not uh, a Singaporean or you know residing in Singapore for the last uh, one month, which is uh, around January of two thousand and twenty-four. Okay, so. Just to build the context, okay, so this is pointing towards uh, Straits Times articles. Uh, for those who are listening in, uh, essentially, if you search online, Straits Times, simply go, uh, you will immediately be able to find uh, references to articles talking about this announcement by the government or essentially by LTA uh, announcing that they are going to essentially uh, discontinue the older EasyLink card systems uh, in favor of simply go. Uh, and the set date was supposed to be by the 1st of June. Uh, the old system will be discontinued, or at least for the just the EasyLink card systems, uh, not for the concession cards. Uh, you can also see that the there was a time period uh, where as this migration began, you know, possibly maybe not so well planned, you know, there's a bit of load issues happening to uh, this Simply Go app. And as a result of that, there was a little bit of a kerfuffle, like I think... Uh, outreach from people, you know, mentioning about this. But beyond just, you know, the low issues, right, I think much more than that, uh, there are also two main reasons where, you know, most of us have seen why people uh, were, felt that they were affected and felt that, you know, this migration wasn't that good. Uh, one of it being that, uh, if you see again on the screen over here and for those listening offline, um, the issue is that in migrating from the EasyLink card, the older EasyLink card, uh, as well as the Nets Flash Pay card, which is the older EasyLink variant, uh, they actually supported the ho a whole range of functionalities from public transport, retail, and motoring. Okay, but the new Simply Go card does not support motoring. Okay, so it's when you're doing upgrades, especially for software engineering, usually upgrade is supposed to be more features or at least like not 
removing away like current features people are using. So this was something that caused a little bit of uh, outrage within people. Uh, then another thing was that, uh, again, the loss of another feature. Uh, so again, bringing up another image over here, but for those listening offline, uh, you see that the you can search it up. If you compare Simply Go uh, with Easling cards, uh, you see that the Simply Go card does not uh, show the fare at the gantry anymore. Okay, so this is again another problem, especially I think uh, for some of us who live with uh, you know your parents, for example, you know some of them uh, they do use the older variant of the Easling card. Maybe they uh, top up huge balances on those cards and use it for other things as well. So not being able to see the fare being calculated, you know, at the gantry when you tap out and in. Um, it's kind of also moving away from that intended UX where, you know, this older Easling card came out, you know, 20 years ago, right? So it is indeed a very interesting situation like leading up to this outage, not outage, outrage, okay? And uh, essentially, the ghost stun, I think this is the part where uh, most of us, I would say, I was, maybe I'll speak for myself first and I'll say I'm very, very surprised when the ghost stun happened. I think this is probably a bit like a unicorn type of event. Uh, never see it like, uh, happen too much where the uh, official policy actually gets rolled back uh, from. Uh, so long story short, uh, what's being shown on the screen over here, essentially, if you go to LTA's newsroom, right, you'll find that on the 22nd of January, they actually reverse on that policy to discontinue the older Isling card by the 1st of Jan. Okay, so this is setting the context uh, very, very quickly on, you know, what exactly is happening. Uh, so gentlemen, uh, I want to bring this question to all of you. Uh, your takes, of course, as uh, engineers in different domains, you know, what, what, what do you all felt from this? What went wrong? And we can talk about the possible solutions as well. Uh, just to know that I mentioned over here as Singaporean engineers, like feel free to jump in as a Singaporean as well as from an engineering angle. Yeah. Um, anyone wants to take a first step at this? I just say one thing, the you know the when you show were uh, showing the the difference of features between the uh cut across the different countries, right? Then uh, right. you were saying that for some of the cuts, uh, we support that being able to use that card to pay for public transport as well as for motoring. Apparently, mm. in Malaysia, I mean recently, uh. I I went uh, I went there, which is two two months ago or something. Uh, they have a cut touch and go, uh, that supports kind of both motoring as well as public transport. So if in that regard, um, you can say Malaysia's, uh, payment is better. <laughs> uh, but then then again, like you know, um, I guess, uh, the systems there are way different compared to the systems in Singapore. Like the system in Malaysia, they support a larger variety of customers there, and you see a larger variety of payment systems there as well. As compared to Singapore, Singapore, I guess, is on a smaller scale. Uh, it's kind of easy to have uh, to converge to one unified solution. As compared to there, I think I still see, I see touch and go. I see like the the respective train operators payment modes or something. Mm. Uh, I don't know. Like each of them, they have like in like even in KL, like um different lines are run by different operators, and different mm. operators have different payment modes specific to that operator, and they even have like the paper based paper base i guess mm. ticket base ticket based payment as well so you have this whole variety so it's just like oh my gosh like at least singapore we only like you know we can 
when you think of transportation, it's just like, okay, this one card you just need to get and it operates across all of, uh, all of the entire public transport. Mm. As compared to Malaysia, just like you have a whole variety. It works like maybe touch and go only works in only in KL. Like apparently from what I read, it doesn't work across all states. So that's mm. another one. I think even in Japan, there's, you can say the alternative to the whole uh, transportation system. Uh, they say the public transport there is like pretty good as well. It's also mm. not not unified as well, right? Like I mean, there's I think that's okay, car- right? That's like okay. not not unified is fine because the idea is that you can have multiple card systems, but as long mm. as you have a unified platform where people can just use that one platform, go in and come out, like. Let's say if I'm at a train station, okay, let's say whether in Japan or Singapore, I don't expect there to be like a Suica gantry and a pass, Pasmo, right? I think it's called Pasmo, Pasmo gantry. I don't expect to like, you know, have two places where it's for each type of car, but both are on the same, it's essentially the same technology. I think it's called Felicia of, uh, which oh. one? No, I, I, I believe it's called I, Felicia or something. Yeah. Okay. But as long as it's the same system, same system, oh. one, like whether you're using paper ticket or the tap. Uh, I think Singapore had that as well, like at the period of time where we had the paper system as well as the mm. tapping system, but it's like one gantry going in and out. Actually, uh, I kind of agree with what you mentioned. And that is, as long as the single card that I bought, right, I can actually use it to travel around very easily. I think that's mm. a very good plus point, especially for countries like Singapore, right, where we want to attract tourists right you shouldn't be putting too much uh challenges and roadblocks right for people to actually travel around singapore in the uh from from what i see though so 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 coming to that right uh i, I kind of appreciate that now now you can actually use your credit card to tap around mm. and then after that pay for pay for pay for the best i think it's a very good uh feature uh mm. i have to give credit where credit is due uh and and it makes it so much easier these days right because because i think all of us got friends who who come from overseas to singapore like maybe malaysia mm. indonesia and so on and now it's much easier to tell them and just say that oh you don't have to worry don't like go go and get an easy link card so that you can travel around easily you just have to say that oh you got your credit card right simply just tap and then you can move around with our public transport already and, and so on and so forth much better than asking them to hey, maybe you want to put your credit card with uh the right hailing apps and all these right and then they may they may feel that yeah, for security reason, right? I don't want I don't want to put my credit card number with 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 a third party app or something along that line, kind just for a few days. Uh, so I kind of I kind of like that. Um, so I think at the end of the day, we we touch on something quite interesting here, and that is uh seamless payment for traveling around. Uh, at the end of the day, I think that's what we what we want. And as well, like well, let's say when we go overseas as well, like just what Harrison also mentioned, right? Your touch and go can use it to pay for motoring. You can use it to pay for other stuff as well. I think that's something that is uh very useful. Uh yes, true. Yeah, I mean there I I like right now, I mean, I'm not sure how much has changed, at least for Singapore motoring. I I mean I don't have any private transport till now. Uh too expensive too expensive <laughs> but, <laughs> like the you can you uh, i don't know like if you see the COE prices just like it just keeps going up you know, no matter what happens just keeps going up i guess partly you can say inflation is the reason but 
the demand for all this private transport is just very high. Um, but that's the thing. Like, you, so in Singapore, uh, there is this, uh, uh, the reason why um, you need kind of this kind of cut systems uh, for that is because they are road toll, road tolls. I mean, we, we call them ERP here, electronic road pricing. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. So uh, basically, this ERP system essentially uh, kind of uh, attempts, or maybe I guess it's kind of working, so I, you can't say attempt. Uh, it uh, kind of uh, imposes some kind of monetary uh, restriction onto certain roads at certain amount, amount uh, certain points of time. So maybe let's say uh, you want to drive to the city area. Uh, and of course, naturally, everybody wants to drive to the city area when they are about to work so you know there'll be great demand there and if everybody drives down to the city area uh you know that that will be of course leading to like a lot of traffic jams uh so one way to kind of reduce that is just to put the price to it like oh you want to drive uh, okay how about three dollars per time you want to come in and some of them if if they if they take the most unfortunate routes they like you get hit by the road tolls over and over again and i think that uh, right now that's the current system where do you you drive past a gantry or some sort um it's also it's seamless like just drive you don't even stop at any booth or anything just drive past and they have this technology that beams that beams your money away from the car or your or your motorcycle or whatever and then um i think in the future they are i think they're installing new erp like uh new like uh, systems onto all the private vehicles where it's now going to be tracked by satellite of some sort. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure how true is that. <laughs> and it's even more creepy because like now they say that you can, uh, there's so many ways to try and charge motorists. Now you can charge them by where they are, uh, how, like maybe it's like, it can be like demand-based demand, demand uh, based kind of uh, pricing where it just happened that you didn't know that a lot of people happen to be on that road. But then like according to satellite information they know that that road is now very very jam-packed so now you get charged even more and you there instead of driving through a country where you know it's like uh you'll be charged this certain amount at this timing now is uh hope i don't drive into a traffic jam if i drive into a traffic jam i am screwed i'm pretty sure if this if this thing is uh turned on right I'm pretty sure we'll we'll face the same situation right now, for sure, for sure. Actually, I think what you're talking about is ERP 2.0. They call it. They say that you they're going to use satellite to actually do distance based toll toll a uh, distance based toll or something along that line. Kind of what I remember, which I also agree is kind of like quite scary. Though I, I mean, I think this is where we probably need. The government side right to provide more information on how all these are going to be calculated and so on uh, otherwise minds will always run wild put it this way <laughs> minds will always run wild yeah yes it's interesting that they announced that in advance but not really explain how the entire system will be like yeah road based toll that's like sorry distance based toll sounds a bit like i guess like a taxi but you're driving your own car because taxi you get like it's progressively it goes up right i mean the argument, okay but maybe the, mm. the argument sorry, the, the argument on that was more like because the money that you beam up 
you use the road and all this side. So so you actually create your your vehicle created friction friction on the road and all this side. So later on the the, the road has to be maintained. Uh. So that's why that's why the road tax come that's why the road tax come into picture. Uh. But that's another thing to discuss uh, because every vehicle also have a road tax in the first place, from what I understand. And then now there's also additional tax on usage and so on and so forth. So why would that be uh I mean to, to some consumers they will see it as a double taxation. Uh. But anyway, we digress. Yeah, we digress. So, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> maybe uh, going back to originally, I think Harrison, you mentioned about touch and go. So maybe you can talk talk about that system and compare to Easling for a bit. So I, I think it's interesting you brought it up. Like I searched it up really quickly. Uh, in its current state, it's a stored value smart card. So that's similar to Suica, Pasmo in Japan. That's the same as the old Easling card system. I think then essentially, would you say this is a little bit more towards that? Okay, yeah. If we compare to our current system, it's a bit like we. Uh, what do you call it? Regress a little bit, lah, by going towards slipping go. Like it's not saying entirely regress, but it's a bit like two steps forward. No, sorry, three steps forward, two steps back, maybe something like that. I okay, I'm I'm not too sure because like I I have been the simply go user all this while. I mean, okay, mine is a credit card, right? So credit card is the simply go, right? If I'm not wrong, yeah, okay. So. So the the thing about the stock value is I have to ch charge it each and every time. Not it's not each and every time, but like charge it once in a while. Like when I use it uh, to when it's close to zero, I need to I need to remember to top top up. But then if I don't, right, uh, then I I will be the guy that will be like, oh, I tap like, oh, okay, I can't. I need to go on top up. It's, to me, it's like that's a hassle, and I I guess it's like, you know, in a sense, I'm kind of fortunate that I don't have to think, uh, of like paying for public transport. Like basically, I just use it as a service. Uh, you know, it's like basically, I I would say I'm fortunate that I don't need to think about like all the little sense when I'm using the public transport. So that's what that's one thing. So that's why I'm like I when I switch to using the credit card. And using that simply go system behind it, uh, I don't see a problem. Like I, I don't care about the the value because I, I guess like you won't like it doesn't make sense to show any value because like basically it's just charged to the card, right? So to me, to me, this is like a non-issue in a sense. But I'm pretty sure other people feel differently. <laughs> clearly, <laughs> clearly, according to maybe I'll play. I'll play the devil's advocate a little bit on the sense that the... And, okay, maybe it's not even entirely a devil's advocate. Uh, somewhat true towards my own uh, situation or predicament in that when you... I also use Simply Go at this point of time after unfortunately losing my Nets FlashPay card two years ago, I think. So I, 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 I actually transferred due to... Uh, what do you call it? Uh, I guess force uh, upgrade, but my own fault... Uh, but the issue being that I, I stick with that old system because, I mean, well, it's a little bit of friction to upgrade. But the main thing being that I could essentially see how much I'm being charged for every single ride. And I think this is something uh, I kind of uh, cool. And, you know, we spoke about offline, right? Which is that you kind of can't really see some of, uh, what's that, like the, the cost of that trip now in some ways. Although I think there's a different screen in Simply Go to see that. But again, okay, the app is also not the easiest to use, in my opinion. Hey, uh, I think we need to bring in a bit of history here. So, uh, 
Okay, so I myself actually will check my transactions. Um, so why I'm checking all the transactions is because I think we, we talked about this offline before and that is uh, over here in Singapore, right? When you actually tap your cards, you actually charge the maximum fare or no, not, not maximum fare. Let me, let me be careful here with the wording first. You are actually charged enough to go to the interchange. That means the end of the trip. So let's say if you take a bus, right? Uh, I, I think it's especially for buses, not for, not for MRT. Especially for buses, right? Let's say, for instance, if I take a, a bus, maybe 143 from Jurong East. If I take it from Jurong East, right, I'll be charged the maximum fare to, for 143, right, to Topayo interchange if I'm taking that direction. Yeah, I'll charge the maximum fare, right, until I tap out. Uh, then the whole recalculation will be done again back end, and the charge and the fare will then be reflected on Simply Go. Yeah, uh, in this case will be on Simply Go, lah, but back in the older days, uh, not really the case. I can't remember where you can actually check. No, I think there's a website where you can check your EasyLink card. They actually provide a website for you to check your EasyLink card transactions. You have to put in the EasyLink uh, card number at the back. Uh, and then, then they will give you a list of all the transactions. And then you can raise up and say that, oh, this particular transaction, right? Uh, that's not the actual bus stop that I stopped at. It's actually maybe one stop before or one stop after or something along that line kind. Um, so because of that, right, because of that over overcharging, um, overcharging, right, yeah, let's call it overcharging. Um, people now keep on checking their transactions. So people like me, I won't say I'm paranoid, but I'm a bit stingy with my money. <laughs> so I will always check each transaction, make sure that the up and down, the, the boarding and the lighting station or bus stops are the upper what is, uh, what I know, or per what, what I took, and so on and so forth. Um, and I also want to be fair here again. Uh, the thing is that now with the Simply Go app, right? Let's say, for instance, if a particular transaction you want to raise up and say that um, this transaction is not correct, that means they, they put you on the on the wrong uh, a lighting station or a lighting bus stop, right? Uh, you can actually easily raise a claim on the app and say that, oh, this one is actually not booked correctly. However, <laughs> however, there's a caveat here. You can only raise a claim on a charge that is booked, not incurred. I think we, we discussed this before. Incurred is when you tap in and tap out the charge, the, the, the fare is incurred, but it's not charged to your credit card yet. Yeah, it's not charged to your credit card yet. So it's only when the transaction is charged to the credit card, then you can raise up and say that this particular transaction is not correct. Which means there's a waiting period. Lah. So if you know, if you if you saw your CP go like today, right? And it just happened that yes, uh, yesterday they charged they charged it to the card already, right? You have probably have to wait for seven days before you can say, hey, in this transaction, I need to raise a claim. But by that time you've probably forgotten about it, which could be the case. Yeah. I think that, that feels like one of the things that I've been maybe reading up or hearing about, lah, at least in online forums, which is that the there's that enhance okay enhance is not best word, but enhance friction in being able to yeah keep an, an eye on the cost and being able to make the claims for it um as you said waiting for seven days and i think part of it uh folks are talking about whether it's predicating on the fact that yeah it's mainly sort of a pay and forget method right now i think more towards what harizal mentioned earlier on right you, you don't really want to 
care so much about topping up ten dollars, twenty dollars already. I think the idea is just here's my card, charge it, and then uh like the month I have to pay for this anyway, like for this transport. Yeah. No, the charging part actually so per, per what Horizon mentioned, right? So so mm. so if you look at the previous uh easy link, huh? The previous easy link there there is actually I can't remember which version was it. There, there wasn't any auto top up. So there wasn't any auto top up. You have to actually go to a station and then top up like and then you have, I, I still remember you have to slot in like ten dollars, twenty dollars or something along that line kind into that machine to 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 top it up. Uh what happened was I think there was this bank, right? This overseas bank, right, decided to introduce this credit card where you, where they can actually do the top up for you. All within the same credit card. So all within the same credit card. You have an easy link card with that credit card as well. And what I will, think this is Citibank SMRT card because uh, I had that I, for. I didn't long. get any endorsement from them, so I I don't want to name them. <laughs> but anyway, it's not there anymore, from what I know. Yeah, I think it's 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 gone already. So so what happened is actually it's a very smart move. So what they did was that the credit card itself is actually a easy link card. And what will happen is that when the amount dropped to a certain level, uh. I can't remember how much was it really. I, th- I, I think it's a magical $3 if I remember correctly. The magical $3, right? And then after that, they will then top up. You can choose either top up uh, $20 to $50. Uh, but each top up, right, they will charge an additional $0.25 cents on top of it because of using their auto top up uh, system. Yeah, so to speak. Uh. Call it the convenience fee. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, you can call it, it is like it is. Yeah, come on. Yeah, movie, even cinemas have that convenience fee. I would say PS, but yeah, <laughs> two dollars. <laughs> and and it, it was, I would say, it's better than than cinema. Cinema is like two dollars per 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 transaction. I think. My, I'm not wrong. My point on convenience fee will always be as long as it's transparent, right? And consumer has a choice, then no issues. Uh. you can charge whatever amount you want. Yeah. Then as long as consumer can choose whatever they want to use, uh, then that shouldn't be an issue. Yeah. I think this maybe even highlights more towards the positive aspects of Simply Go in some ways, which is that there isn't that convenience fee there at all. Like you're just using it. You're charged just for the fare of that. But then the big downside is you cannot like as you said, la, the the fare doesn't come in right away. You have to wait yeah. for I think it's Visa is one day. Mastercard, I think, is one week or around there. Eight what, three days, three days. Eight. So it's it it eight, eight days. Yeah, eight days. Oh they wow, will, that's long. They will charge the they will charge transactions for the past eight days. Uh, Yikes! The, all at one yeah. go. Yeah, all at one go. Yeah. yeah. Which which again, yeah, it doesn't goes back into the it's bad for if you are budgeting, uh, especially if you are someone who. Let's say you know, um, I'm sure for folks who stay with elderly parents, you know, usually let's say you only have like. Uh, stipulated amount that you want to use and top up your card. I mean, it's a good way to check like, if you can see the fare uh, every single time. Maybe I'll use this to pivot to one question, which is, w- w- do you all expect this? Like, you know, the the like people to have this outreach where, hey, um, I can't see the fare, you know, when I tap out of a station or a bus, as well as I cannot use this in my car. Like, this is definitely two different u- groups of people. Uh, but do you expect that this like this outreach to come out and then this ghost time to happen? Oh, outreach happening is kind of expected, lah, I would say. I mean, if you look at in Singapore, right? Now, Singapore, Singapore is very different from other countries. Uh. 
in Singapore, most people are public transport users. Most people, right? But whereas in overseas countries, that's not really the case. Uh. If you look at maybe like, uh, from what I understand, from what I understand, America, like America. Maybe, <laughs> let's, let's, let's bring it closer, uh, like maybe Indonesia or Malaysia, right? Uh, at least most of the younger teenagers or, or, or younger teenagers or youngsters, they minimally they will have a bike. Ah, uh, minimally they have a bike to travel around. O over here in Singapore, most people, most families, maybe may have one. I'm not too sure. Uh, but I definitely know a lot of people who where they don't really have a car. So, so if you look at it, right, public transport is we are we are very dependent on public transport, and. That means we also do spend a lot of money on public transport. So I think public transport, at least for me, is the top three expenses. Uh, top three expenses and, and, and all. So, and the other thing is this, uh, public transport is definitely the, the lower tier income people will, will, will depend a lot as well. And to them, right, money, money is very, very important. They need to be very mindful even down to the sense level, right? How many cents are they spending in the different area and all this also? So for them not to know, not for them not to be able to know how much they're spending and all this, and even make a claim quickly, right? Even make a claim quickly if they're overcharged might not be a uh, might not be good. I I kind of feel, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, which is uh, because we touched on the friction earlier on on claiming. Uh, I think for folks who have definitely a tighter uh wallet, yeah, I think that that is a very good point there. How about mm. mo for motoring? Like, I think it, do you think that that would be a valid thing? What motoring? Uh, as in, in terms of the simply go now, you cannot use that for motoring based purposes. Then you have to now support two different card systems. Actually, to be fair, I don't have my own private transport at all. Uh, in my past forty plus years, <laughs> it, 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 on, no, on no, I also don't have. Okay, Horizon, uh, Horizon, you drive a bit, right? Come, yeah, yeah. Tell us your take. So I have, I, 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 I then never knew that the public and the, the private transport you it allows like some sort of easing card. All this while, I thought it only supports cash card. Even till today, until until we have like this discussion when you show that that picture, right? And like. Oh, yeah, it actually supports other cards. But the thing is, right, this, I guess this thing is not exactly known. I mean, I did, I did uh, do a quick search about in the past where is it possible to just like, you know, put my, um, I could put my credit card in, in the, in the, what you call it, in that device. But then like, I, are you, uh, are you, you yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I realized that that might be a stupid decision <laughs> it's not like asking to be like begging to be robbed not even asking it's like begging to be robbed at the point just like oh now instead of just a thought value now i have infinite money glitch or however the bank wants to loan me in in a sense so yeah it's just like okay i guess it kind of makes sense that is two systems but then i i i i guess I, I don't know like uh, right right at this point like uh to me i i feel like non non-issue in a sense i mean all, all this while i've been living with two uh two card systems like you know cash card for the private public i use the simply go card but but the thing is i also not sure how many people are there 
that are making noise about this maybe the ones that like making a whole bunch of noise in the in the papers is just like a, a really minute a small minority and then um I mean, if we want to say the bigger picture of things, like we probably might get hated in a in a way. But we want to say in the bigger picture of things, just like, is it worth to care? More <laughs> <About laughs> minute, just like they are very vocal, yes. But then in terms of impact, not so much. But I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just a, a product person in me, just like looking at things more objectively in a way. I, I I would say like I'm I'm pretty fortunate that I can come off with this uh sense, but yeah, it just it just it's just a thought that's lingered in my head. It's just like okay, you have these people that I don't really like, but then like this this number of people just like how many percent in the overall picture? Because like even private as uh, I think as as mentioned uh, by Ku, like over here, uh heavy public transport users, which means and then which means the private transport users are small. And then among the private transport users, even my dad doesn't even know about this easily cut thing. Like he until now uses cash card. He even passed me my his super old cash card. That's like what it feels like it went through war or something. Like just like in status, but it's still working. It is solid technology. It still works till now. Uh, but yeah, like that system works fine. Uh, so who are this minority? And that's why I just like is it worth supporting? It's, it's good, it's a convenient thing to have like one unified card system across all modes of transport so that, you know, um, tourists that come in just like, oh, you can use this card for every, all forms of transport in Singapore. Yeah, it's good, but at the same time, it's just like, nah, like cost-wise, is it absolutely necessary? Is it worth migrating? Or is it, I don't know. Mm. It's, it's probably the it same as all the parking SG and everything, it's just like, like it's, it's good to have, but yeah. But that's the thing, the, okay, I, I know there is probably that a group, not sizable, maybe small group of people online uh, who are against changes. Okay, I'm not going to go to the politics of it, like, you know, but to maybe mention a little bit, like it, it can be not even just because of like, you know, of this change, but maybe because of the current incumbent. Okay, but that's another topic for a different day. Uh, I think in terms of figures wise, I, I know the government did release some figures mentioning that if I'm not wrong, I think it's like 30% to one third of the population was still using the older Isling card. And it seems like this is the part that gave them the most trouble, which is being able to get these folks to move across. Okay, maybe I'll use this chance to just bring up a few graphics that I've created over the like last weekend, sort of to give like some perspective. Because I thought it was really interesting that mm. we have a very colorful history of many different fair cards. And yeah. it like the thing is, every single migration was successful because before this. Like, why this particular one that like you know the government actually has to like now U-turn and and say, okay, we're gonna now support this until at least 2030, which is six years away. So this is the 40 million thing that they mentioned about. Uh so yeah, also you just now you mentioned about the old Isling card. So I guess you're talking about this one, right? <laughs> that I'm circling in the screen. Oh wait, I don't think you can see it, but no, uh... I don't think I guess, but it's a colorful one. I think the the one on the left, the one at the bottom. No, the, the colorful yeah. one, the Isling uh wait. Okay, on, ah, on okay, the left hand side, yeah, the, the left hand side. Okay, one this one this one is not usable yeah. anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's the one on the right, lah. The one on the right are those that are usable now, but there's a lot of other terms that sort of conf what's the word called? Um, 
confuse it even further because like you can use like net net flash pay and all these which is how easy link system and that, that that's a CPAS CPAS what a CEPAS thing uh, is linked. Uh, so okay, okay. I, I let me try yeah. explain this entire thing. So I had the same exact confusion as uh you could like that's why I decided before coming into this topic, at least one of us needs to research about this. If not, like it's it's gonna look very weird when you talk about this card system. Okay, so maybe just to start on the history a little bit, uh, I'm not gonna go in too deep, lah, but uh on the screen over here, you can see on this left, right? Oh, and folks listening to it offline, the some of you might be familiar with this thing called the transit link fair card. This is the physical card where you put into this red color machine with a bunch of buttons in a rectangle or something like that. Uh, if you go into some of the buses, you probably still see those machines today. Like that machine is still there today because some people need to pay using coin. And then the dispensing system for the, the paper ticket still uses their old system. So while the this this fair card is does not work anymore, it does not exist anymore, uh, but they still use that system. So this existed for actually not that long, around three to four years before they started moving into the EasyLink card system. Okay, so this is actually very interesting because when they had this unified card, right? Okay, before the TransitLink card, they also had their own payment system. Like MRT has its own system. Buses has, has their own system. TransitLink fare card was the first time they had a unified public transport like card system. Yeah. Then they it, moved it, to... Well, yeah, maybe let me add, add in a bit of sort of story and color uh, around it also if, if, uh, if, if, if I can. So, uh, because, so, okay, so this is what happens. Uh, so, okay, I'm old, I'm old enough to start using public transport in 1987. Uh, so I can say a bit more what happened back then also as well. So, for what you mentioned, right, so transiting card really is where every buses, there's a machine, right, where you have to slot in this transiting card, you slot it in, and you're supposed to press for the fare. So it makes it makes an assumption it makes an assumption that the the commuters right know which pair to press. Uh know which pair to press. Like maybe or uh, I roughly have some identity is like 180. Uh so back then no 180. That that's too much really. Uh 120 or one one thirty and then that's it really. So but I've, but unfortunately there are a, a small group of people who tend who tend to cheat on the pair. So 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 what they what they do is that they will always press for the lowest, and then cross all their fingers and toes. Right? Hopefully the inspector doesn't come up and check the ticket. Yeah. So the transit thing is where you have to. I think you have to store value on it also as well, and then store it into the machine. Press for the fare, and the ticket that comes out will also tell you how much is left in that transit link for my member. So there is still a ticket that comes out from that transit link. Uh, card actually, yeah. Yep, that that's absolutely correct. Uh, well, actually, I don't recall some of these details already. When you mentioned about paper ticket, as you mentioned it, yeah, actually, yeah, that's true as well. Yeah. Besides the coin one, the 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 paper receipt, sorry, not the paper ticket, the paper receipt, uh, mm. also comes out uh, the fair card. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's like what then twenty plus years ago now. Yeah, please carry on. Now I'll add in the story. I thought no, you no, sorry, sorry. <laughs> the, the thing is, right, I. I feel like I used that system before and I remember it's you like if you're born in the 90s you yeah. use it it feels quite slow though just like I remember uh, uh, during boarding time it's just like everybody mm -hmm. just stuck because there's only one per there's only one machine one yes per uh, bus, I, think, right? I think that is two there, there was two after that uh, some of the buses can afford, with one. Can, can, can afford two now, I, I don't know whether you all still remember. So some of, the, some of these double-decker buses, right? Double-decker buses, uh. they actually have an inlet 
for one of the machines. So so that inlet and machine there, right? Uh there is one actually from what I remember on the other side, for now the, the tapping in and out, right? Actually the other side where I think they have their uh where they store their engine or their medical supplies, uh, either emergency supplies or whatever, right? That side actually has another machine. So so it's also the same thing, it's both sides you can actually press and uh slot in and then press and press for ticket and so on and so forth. So back then was quite slow. I yeah. Now, now Horizon pointed out, right? Yeah, back then was quite slow, but the bus driver was very, can be very good at detecting whether a person is paying or not paying. Because you have to stop, right? It cannot be so fast, right? Not like now, easily, tick, 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 and then just go through, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so back then was, was much slower. Uh, That's why concession cars are so awesome. Just like show. Oh, yeah. Flash. Like walk fast. Yeah, flash, and yeah. then we'll just walk fast. I yeah. am the king here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think the easing cut was really a huge UX upgrade in that regard, which is that uh it's also yeah, two machines, but it's essentially I guess like one second per person. Like if you tap really fast and then you move on, uh uh it's actually quite fast. Actually, even simply go out, I think that it's a little bit of a downgrade in that latency aspect, especially if you're using your phone. It's a, mm. it, it detects a little bit slower la, compared to the easing cut. So in so my opinion. So what happened? What happened with the easing cut, right? Or was also a behavior that was trans, sort of transplanted from the the, the transit link, uh, the transit link. So, uh, from what I remember is, uh, easing tap in, you have to tap in and tap out. But they realized they realized that there are some people who only tap in but didn't tap out at all. So in order to sort of reduce that behavior, right, what happened is the same thing, which is per what I mentioned previously. You tap in, you are charged the maximum fare to the interchange, and you have to tap out in order to get to get out. Now, however, there are some fare cheaters, right? Quite smart, right? What they do is this, they tap in, they tap in, right? And then they before they go up the upper deck or before they go straight down to the lower deck right behind behind the the, the exit door right they will sneakily step and then get, get in so so it's actually just only gonna be a single bus stop a charge for a single bus stop and and, and that's it so so again that's job for the bus inspector lah. uh yeah that's job for bus inspector but this is where this is where it happens with you this is where it happens because you are charged the maximum fare right now we consumers we consumers right, also start to say that hey, I don't know whether whether do you charge me correctly or not, and so on and so forth. So now we become a bit distrust distrusting on the system. And we all, you, you do want to check on, on the fast whether the fast is actually deducted correctly or not. Yeah. It's interesting how this entire history of this payment system, right? Especially going even before Easling Card. I'm guessing this is the backbone of Easling Card as well, right? But I, I have no doubt that it's built on this. How should I put it? Like because of a small group of small group of people who does uh, who will cheat the system. Hence, we built the system as a way, like, you know, if if your entry is missing, we rather penalize you and charge you for full first. Um it's a very unfriendly system, but speaking of it like that. I don't know. Yeah, okay, maybe going to be honest, right? I, I believe like all systems should be built that way. Um, because if any system is built with um like uh, uh, built on the assumption that people are kind people uh people trust each other um there will be people who will 
abuse the system for sure. Like everything, any anything that can be abused will be abused. It's the same with any software engineering project. If you have anything that is like exposed to the public, people will abuse the features and and you will like look, look at it just like how the heck how do you even find out that this feature even exists it's supposed to be internal use only and then you somehow manage to tinker it out and like monkey patch it for your own use or something just like why so it's the same like basically over here uh basically basically all systems yeah so i i guess like the design like what cool was mentioning of how the design slowly evolved to become more distrustful of its users is a wise decision in a sense because no matter what if people uh, uh, start abusing it eventually that thing will spread and it's like you know it's oh it feels like almost like cancer you know in a sense just no, like but eventually. Th that's it it's because in the end it's still going to be okay here, here's my take on that lot that there will be people who will cheat the system uh and yes, that behavior can spread if it's if it's something that especially if it's not if you don't penalize sort of that that cheating behavior. But I feel like that's sort of hitting at the wrong source, hitting the wrong root of a problem. I think the idea here is that how do you actually catch and penalize the people who try to cheat the system rather than trying to sort of set like a safety boundary where everyone is you no, know, everyone is uh guilty until proven innocent. And and that's like I mean that, that's why I I don't exactly agree with that because if you look at the if I'm not wrong like our legal system essentially is something along the lines of like you know innocent until proven guilty something like that uh it would be a very unfriendly system that way for the opposite but feel feel free to correct me if I'm wrong I'm not very uh I am not a lawyer so please don't quote me on this whatever I just say I think most of the law system most of the law most of the judicial system not law system most of the judicial system ah, is. Okay uh innocent until proven guilty so the weight of evidence always lies on the uh, i can't remember what's the name it is the the prosecutor the weight of evidence will always fall on the uh prosecutor uh at the end of the day and i think coming back the thing is i also agree anything that has to deal with money uh, and benefits right are bound to be abused are bound to be abused and I kind of feel the thing is any system should be built to anticipate potential or possible fraud like setting up the rules and everything else but i don't the, the, at least for me when i look at this whole thing now and now now that we're discussing about it i feel that that isn't such a thought at all when building the system so and and all this fraud that we're trying to prevent right it's sort of like a like putting a plaster on a on a dam or something like that. Oh, I saw a dam that's a small leak. I quickly put a plaster there, and then hopefully it does it it it, it stops and all this also. From 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 what I see, like at least, yeah, yeah, it's, it's quite bandit lah. I think going from that aspect, it's. I mean, okay, let let let's put it this way. If I made an innocent mistake and forget to tap out, I, I'm not trying to do any fraud lah. But I'm penalized for the full potential fare, which. It's kind of like, okay, but it's not really trying to solve the fraud problem. Like it's, but again, okay, I can understand that. Yeah. Then how do we figure out what's the most accurate fare? Maybe a better system is needed there. But yeah, that thought is not big into the system today. Okay. Maybe before we digress, I, I just want to go back into just making sure we go through finish yeah, this timeline. Yeah, yeah, quite, quite, yeah. Uh, okay. Maybe what I'll do is let me just go to the, the actual thing, the actual meat of this conversation, which is that if you look at 
the migration periods for the different card systems of, across the years, right? You start off with the Transit Link Fare cards, which had an overlapping period of uh, around eight months with the EasyLink card. Okay, so this is where, right, folks who grew up in the uh, 90s uh, and also before that, right, you would know that the MRT gantry as well as in the buses, right, they support both the EasyLink system as well as the, the old uh, fare card system. Okay, but eight months later, the card system, the, the fare card system is gone by that time. Okay, and then maybe around like seven years later, when you're going from the EasyLink card to the second generation EasyLink card, which is the CPASS compliant uh, EasyLink card, right? So this is a second generation EasyLink card. Again, there was like a nine month overlapping period. Okay, while they do this migration of people across before they con uh, entirely discontinue it. So the interesting thing here is that if you look at this earlier two migrations, right, they actually did it within like less than a year. Very quickly, pump in new system, get people switch the system very quickly. By the end of that, that eight months, nine months, uh, they're on a new system, the old system is gone. Simply Go actually, if you look at the entire time period, right, it's actually a very interesting model because it kind of goes, goes against the entire like earlier two migrations they had. When CPD Go was introduced, right? I mean, I'm not sure like for like for folks who are familiar with it, right? Simply Go is has been here for a while. It's actually been here for five and a half years ago. So it had they gone with this migration, right, and finished it in June, right? It's actually six years already since they introduced the system. So it's a far cry from when Easling Card, like the first gen and second gen, was released, right? Where they only stick there for around like, you know, the old system was there for around like overlapping for eight to nine months. Uh. Uh, but Simply Go took a really, really long time off the ground. And I think this was kind of, I feel like as a, maybe from as a user POV and also someone as an engineer, it's a bit like the writing on a wall type of situation where I figured that probably they had a lot of issues trying to migrate people across. And it really took so long just to even get to the point where, okay, we are, we're confident enough to try and start pushing, like, you know, in this next half a year. But what do you guys think? Like looking at this time period thing, of course, not just judging it based on this merits law. There's also one more difference. Like I would say mm. it's more like a difference in environment variables. <laughs> it's, uh, there's it. also the existence of social media right now. Social media is actually quite pervasive as compared to in the past. In the past, just like, okay, you don't like a situation. So what? You're going to complain to where? A forum? And who uses the forum? No, not many. Uh, maybe hardware zone, but then you know, no one listens. No one takes hardware zone seriously. I guess, like it, it, that's just a place you know where you rent and then like okay, that life goes on after that. As compared to now, like you know when uh someone complains about it in TikTok or something, I don't even know. Like what you make videos on TikTok on it? <laughs> I mean, I I don't know. I I don't even have the app. So yeah. So I'm talking about that. Oh great, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So 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 this TikTok thing. Uh, you have this. You create this asset on TikTok, and then you will be like, then it goes viral, and then people in the world watches it, and then okay, like it becomes a big problem. Like media will say it's a big problem because like some teenager or some adult mention it but then it's just like is it though like you know if in the past maybe if, if tiktok existed maybe will we see the same response i don't know i feel like this doesn't address that that root at the problem though like okay the social media part i definitely agree because uh i can even say like you know there was like the social media measure that backfired 
where I think when this Simply Go thing happened a few weeks ago, right, LTA actually released like this story. They were trying to capitalize on this like ongoing uh, social media trend. And a lot of people commented on that, that I think it's an Instagram uh, uh, post or something like that, that. And told them, you know, hey, a lot of people complained on that post that how come you all, you know, did this Simply Go thing very badly rather than focusing on that story la, itself that you know, LTA was trying to create like a good vibe from themselves. But I feel like that, that it doesn't meet that crux of a problem because six years left, five and a half years to six years, there, there must be like some significant engineering problem that they face or at least adoption. Uh, adoption wasn't planned out very well. Uh, people were already like, you know, very used to this easily card system. Now they migrate to a system where, hey, if I use, uh, you know, my this new card or my, okay, that means my credit card or uh, my phone to use, do the payment, right? I don't see the the, the, the cost anymore. And I can't use it for, uh, what's that? Paying uh, for motoring based purposes. So I definitely wouldn't want to move as well. I, no, I actually okay. So so I I, I don't have a question. The question is what's what's Sipas mm. what's Sipas compliant first before maybe we yeah. want to talk about simply go. <clears throat> uh, I need to look at my notes. Uh, but having said that, the thing is. I think simply when simply go came into the picture, right? The first group of people that they try to migrate are the people who hold credit cards. Uh. I mean, mm. I don't right. know whether whether what 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 I'm saying is representative, but from what I understand, at least right, are moving people who got credit cards, uh, to move over to a simply go platform. Now, now if you look at it, right, people who own credit cards have a certain amount of, uh, income. Uh. Although not, mm. I mean not not a lot lah. Not it's like, I think thirty thousand now minimally you can get actually get a credit mm. card already. Thirty thousand annual income you should be able to get it, which translates to about two thousand five hundred. Eh, was it two thousand five hundred? Two thousand five hundred. Yes, you're correct. Uh, two thousand five hundred a month, right? A month, yeah. Two thousand five hundred dollars a month, and it, and that's before CPF. Uh, most of the banks will actually accept before CPF from from what I understand. Um. So so thirty thousand means, but you but if you've got thirty thousand, right, to a certain extent would be like uh, what Harrison mentioned before. Right? There there will be folks who will say that yeah, I just I just need a convenient way to pay for my fare, charge it, and then I'm not going to even look at how much is it charged, and, and so on and so forth. And then now 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 LTA wants to move the other group of people to the simply go. And but the other group of people now they have gotten used to the fact that I need to see my fare. I need to see how much I have inside my my account. Because I need to know when I need to go and top up. And when I go and top up, right, there are other other challenges as well. Like for instance, do I have enough cash on hand? Do I need to go to ATM and then draw the cash to top it up? Or can I use maybe nets to go and top up? But if if I use nets to top up, right, is there additional charges, like 20 cent charges or something along that right kind? So I feel that the second group of people that they try to move to simply go right are people who are very <clears throat> sense uh sense and money sensitive on where 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 each one of them goes to, and that's why I think the bigger challenge comes into the picture lah. People will start to say, and 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 the biggest peep, biggest peeve that they have is, I can't see my balance. Why so you don't let me see my balance? I have to go and download an app. But you're assuming that I have a smartphone in the first place. Right. Again, smartphone, smartphone these days not something that everyone can afford. Even, even maybe now you it still costs about one hundred or two hundred dollars to get a cheaper 
brand like maybe a cheaper brand. Uh, I'm not going to name which brand is cheaper. Uh, otherwise, I get sued. Well, <laughs> yeah, but there are, there are cheaper brands phones are uh, like that cost about two hundred or three hundred dollars. Uh, altogether, and again, these are folks who may not have the income right to go and get a smartphone to download the app in 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 the first place. Uh, and from what I understand, from what I understand in some of the other discussion I have, right, this is where some of the, the, the lower income tier folks, right, they start to feel that, hey, the government is not listening to me. They are not understanding my plight. Yeah, it's not oh, it's so simple. Go and download the app, you can see the, 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 the amount. But I, I might not even have a smartphone in the first place. Yeah. At least that's what I hear. Like, that's what I hear and see on some of the posts, the Reddit posts and forum posts. Uh, I think that that definitely is that sensitivities not being looked into. Besides, okay, so I think what you're supposing more towards is that it's not the technical um difficulties, right, in trying to get people migrated across, but it's the actual physical situations where uh they were not successful. Uh, or at least like I wouldn't say that they had initial success, uh, ongoing success over this last few years, especially going into COVID uh, as well, where people could migrate. Yeah. But then yeah, this, the this gets me thinking, why then do this at this point of time? You have 30% of people left. Why decide to make that big switch? Uh, it feels like maybe lacking that user research. Uh, one thing I heard but, about. I mean, they claim that there were, there were user, user research done, right? I, Mm. From what I remember, it's like I think there was this there was a focus group of one thousand. Yeah, one thousand seems to be the one that seems to be the number that strikes the most familiarity. So I think there were they say that they actually did some focus group study on a thousand people and then they find that the, the result was actually comforting to no not comforting, comforting is not reasonable enough to actually start uh moving these people over to uh simply go. Uh, and, and and so on and so forth. I mean, now if I now if I were to put my data scientist or data analyst hat, right, my question then would be, how do you get your one thousand people in the first place, right? And then you get that assurance that yeah, I think it's reasonable enough to move move forward to uh simply go for this thirty percent people that we are we are we are, we are looking at. Uh, in fact, I'm I'm very keen on to look at how the study is being made to reach that kind of conclusion because I can use it as a counter example for my classes uh. <laughs> that you have to be very careful you have to be very careful you have to be very careful how you even select 1000 even though 1000 sounds like a lot of people all this like, it sounds like yeah it should be it should be a good survey done and so on but it's, it, it still went wrong like, as we can see what happened so I think it's good to do some post-mortem. I, ho I hope the government actually do some post-mortem on, 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 on it and try to understand where, where, the, where the focus group was done wrong uh, to, to achieve that, that um, conclusion. Yeah. Now the question, uh, I mean, the question that is like on the top of my head right now is just like, um, it's like simply go going to continue everything this current state of not being able to show balances or are they going to do something to somehow try to show balances because if they are going with the like okay we get uh, we we look at all the technical solutions out there and like none fit the need uh, none fit the requirement right then proceed on with the 
no no show balance right then the you fall back to the how to start migrating the 30 percent off and you know i like one one thing that came kind of came up is um is something kind of similar to how google does migrating uh, people out of google products is it's 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 is a horrible way to do it though and it's probably a horrible social impact here uh, I, I would say that for sure um well how like there was this uh you know google used to have like um okay, i mean still have app engine but i think they wanted to migrate people off python to app engine and uh you know uh, because like uh python uh, python 2 is supposed to be deprecated and like you know python 3 is a shiny new thing that everyone should go for now and you know security reasons <laughs> they, they were just they were just summing up there and but the thing is right people have been using like certain uh product features of app engine and like so hard to migrate it's such a pain so what one way Google did in order to force people off is they just made their features bad. Uh, initially, it was maybe um, 5% of the time, maybe your, your requests don't go through. And then slowly, it just builds up over time across the entire year. And that kind of start forcing people to like, okay, I look at the product, just like my product is not working as well as it used to in the past. I have to do something. If you compare it to a hard, uh, hard uh, cutoff, like people, the thing is, right, people are, are just plain lazy. People, like, if given enough time, right, people will do it all at the last minute. So if you even say about the 30%, right, if you want to do a gradual migration, right, uh, and really, like, go into the world where um, don't show balance, in a sense, because, you know, all other technical solutions that they've looked, to, looked into uh, is, is hard to do. Uh, and it doesn't fit the requirement, then they can try to make the whole experience worse for that thirty percent. Maybe initially, just they just tap it and just like okay, uh, a random like maybe ninety five percent of them still show balance, but five percent don't show. And then as time goes on, more and more don't show. And then in now people get used to it, and it's like oh okay. It uh, looks like you know you are all used to not having your balances uh, balances shown and no one's complaining. Okay, let's switch off the feature. <laughs> but I, uh, I don't know. But, okay, <laughs> we have we have a lot to dive into here. This is like uh okay. So maybe let me first label this first. So I think what uh correct me if I'm wrong, Harizan. This is essentially something that we see in industries in recent years, especially for mobile phones. It's called plan obsolescence. Uh, essentially, the idea is that rather than uh, having, you know, like let's say 20 years ago, you buy electronics, right? You realize that some of them can last for really long, especially like your Nokia phones, the old brick phone, for example. But then nowadays, right, how come your phones, right, die within like one year, two years, like very, very fast? So I think what you're saying, somewhat like related to the App Engine example, is that, but I feel like we have to, what, de like, sort of decompress that a little bit. Like, Okay, that, that's something I've not seen too much. Uh, the SRE, I don't think they change on App Engine as well. Uh. But you, the, I, I do agree with one thing, which is maybe the somewhat planned obsolescence from another direction, which is that you see a lot of shiny features on the, the newer versions of like Cloud Run, for example, for serverless. And then comparing the App Engine, right? App Engine looks like a like an extremely old toy. It's like comparing a Nintendo Switch and a Game Boy. Okay, maybe not a Game Boy. Like comparing to those even before Game Boy, like you know those electronic, uh, I don't know, like what what's an old gaming console? 
Okay, Saturn. I have no idea. Like, Nintendo Saturn. Sorry? <laughs> Nintendo Saturn or something. Saturn 64. Oh, Sega Saturn. Sega Saturn. Yeah, yeah. Sega Saturn. Sega Saturn. Yeah. Yeah. Wrong yeah. brand. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah I, I, I do see that le- level of obsolescence like that. Like. They, they push, they make the other product seem a lot more better. Uh, okay, yeah. maybe in some areas, the support isn't that strong for the older products anymore. You Maybe you don't get uh, replies on like, you know, those queries. Uh, support tickets, sorry, like on those older products as as frequent. Uh, but they still try to keep to the contractual requirements. Maybe on this, okay, since now we're kind of talking about the solution, right? Because now we're talking about how to migrate. My, my question I'd like to pose to you all is, if you're, if the both of you are the Minister of Transport, how would you have done this? To the solution towards like simply go I mean, I I've said, but my my thought my thought process is like you know I to me to me like that's the thing I'm I come from a place of advantage so it's like a bit hard like it's harder for me to empathize in that direction I I probably will probably need to like talk to more people to understand why they look at things that way because like to me yeah I know that transportation is kind of a big fee. But you know, there's other aspects of life to look at. You know, if like maybe you are spending money in other areas besides transport, there's like taking a big cut. But that's 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 my my opinion, and maybe it's a very fortunate kind of opinion in a sense. So I mean, come from a place of uh, uh yeah, a a good place in a sense. So that's why you're not thinking. It's hard for me to empathize. Like I need to talk to a lot mm. of people from that side to understand. Uh, talk to people who have like gone through like uh, a lot of problems, and like maybe understand how why uh why they are going through that way. Mm. So yeah, my my opinion is uh, what uh don't show balance because, I mean I I guess like if we later in later on maybe if we uh we have time to discuss about how to kind of show the balance, you will realize that actually it's not an easy problem to solve uh, engineering-wise. Uh, that's, that's what I feel. That's why that's why I'm going with the opinion of that. And, and then how I how I think best to solve it is to do that Google engineering trick. I don't know. I feel it's a good, it's a good way to get people. But it's, it's horrible. It's a horrible way to do yeah, it. Yeah, it feels very painful. It feels very painful. Uh, you, you are forcing people out. And you have a lot of people have a lot of negative negative uh, reactions to that for sure. <laughs> mm. But I I take I take on that question a bit first over here I, I I do think that we should dis- we do we should discuss about how the solution should be for for the benefit of the audience like to understand back end really not that straightforward also as well. But having said that, the thing is I think the first when when this whole saga actually happened right the first question I actually had was not even not even when i adopted uh simply go and that is why wasn't why wasn't simply go when it was conceptualized right to show the fair in the first place why was the why was the software system approved at the conceptualization stage right not to show any fares when it's tapped That I think that that should be a question that that should be explored further and hopefully get an answer from if uh as as a taxpayer I will I will ask that yeah 
Hundred percent agree on that. Yeah, you, you, you see, at the end of the day, we all understand, right? I think some of you, some of you have are, are product managers. Some of you have talked to product managers and, and, and so on and so forth, right? At the end of the day, if you want to push out a certain product, you know that you know that you cannot differ too much from the existing product in terms of features and functions. You know you can't have that, and you also have to prioritize which are the functions and features, right? They have to remain in the new product. Uh, and goes back again to the focus group that we're talking about, and that is what went wrong with the focus group. Then, if that's a if in in that case now, why 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 was that the case? And then the thing is because. I'm sure spending the money on the focus group is not a lot lah, compared to what our 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 minister now has quoted, right? Saying that or oh, in order to sort of prolong this, we are now going to spend like 40 million dollars just to prolong this. So if you look at it right, going into simply go and the conceptualizing part didn't even take into account showing the uh fair deductions or whatever, right? It's actually a 40 million dollar mistake. <laughs> now now if you if you look from a from a perspective, now forty million dollar can pay for a lot of civil servants or public servants, uh, a, a salary already, you know. So yeah, why was it approved then? I think that that's that's a question we really should should ask. Uh, I think yeah, do a, I do hundred percent agree with that that probably probably as Singaporeans. Okay, now I take the engineering part away as Singaporeans. Yeah. Probably that's something that we have to hold whoever was responsible for greenlighting that decision accountable on that. Mm-hmm. But maybe, okay, to play the devil's advocate again, to sit in that position and say that, hey, you know, as uh, the government, why why didn't we want to have, to be able to show the value on the gantry? Right? Okay, so I, I did prepare a few solutions, uh, mm-hmm. but I don't think we can go through all of them. Maybe let's just go through some of the much more uh, effective Probable ones. One. Yeah. Uh, probable ones. So, okay, yeah. just to first answer your question first, right, cool, right, in terms of uh, why we might want to move on to uh, like something like simply go, where you can't show the value, but you have a much more, I guess, fraud-free system. Okay, again, we're kind of going into the topic where you're kind of penalizing all of your users, right, because of a small group of people. But it's true that if you have things like a store card system, right, like what I'm trying to show on the screen right now, there was this case a few years ago where, you know, you had people hacking the Kopitiam card, which is Kopitiam is this hawker center or food center in Singapore, this franchise. Lah. And you can use this stock value card, right, to go and redeem for, you know, many, many meals if you want. Uh, so people could essentially cheat that system if you allow it to be a client-side solution. Client-side in the sense that they hold the balance inside their cards. So I guess this, in that sense, is perhaps playing that diversificate, maybe why they decided to move away from that. Uh, cool. Go ahead, cool. Yeah, I, I, I just want to point this out. Uh. The thing is this, uh, um, but the way I look at it, right, because at least how the, how I still, I still remember this, this, this news article. Um, isn't, isn't this something that a software, software could have solved it rather? No? Okay. Is it? Um, I mean, uh, at the end of the day, all software are easy. I mean, all okay. software will have so, No, right? the, the, okay. So, so from because I, I come from uh, 
which type of thing and sure. it's really scary from to see like a daily stream of security vulnerabilities really no joke okay uh, and i i will i will say like my boss is kind of right when he's when he was saying if there is no security vulnerability announced today right we might need to double check to make sure our automations are working correctly or not because that's how frequent security vulnerabilities are found and it's really a scary world like you see this not value right okay maybe one thing is that okay maybe just simply storing the number and encrypting it is, is enough but the thing is people can somehow find a way to decrypt it i don't know how like it's like the same with all this on android phone you have this apk people have figured a way to to reverse engineer it and like like decompile apk to divulge what's inside and once you divulge what's inside right then people can start playing with all the little little things like you know what happens if you like okay let's say for this top value like one example one easy example would be like okay uh it's storing this um uh, this this value this this number of bytes what happens if i add one more additional byte what happens then maybe that one additional byte turns out to be a buffer overflow and then turns out uh when i tap the card the next time right it becomes nine 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 i win in life really so that's how <laughs> that's how easy it is like if if the security is not thought of that really really well and it's very difficult to think of like all encompassing security because there's always something that's missing just i don't know it's just how software is right now it's just like we miss one thing another security vulnerability i think recently like even today also i was reading about how um uh, apparently there's this like secure bootloader that's supposed to uh kind of takes up the kernel and boots up the entire process of something that is supposed to be secure but now it turned out that the past seven years not secure mm -hmm. <laughs> there's like apparently like somehow or other you can somehow inject malicious code into it and then that will allow anyone to sniff your entire system undetected because it's like it's from a secure source it's from your secure bootloader which is supposed mm -hmm. to be secure so just that's that's how that's how pervasive security issues is. So it's like what we can say. It's like you put things on the client side. Uh, prepare, <laughs> I guess. That's my presentation. Yes. Okay. Arisa, I'm so glad you took this point. Oh, go ahead, cool. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. I I just want to say yeah. I my my lack of understanding. I'll 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 put it this way because. Uh, I, I do I do agree that software at the end of the day will have bugs and security issues because at the end of the day, uh, software and AI right are built by by humans. Humans are humans will make mistakes. Uh, humans will make mistakes. Uh, but I think to the point to to one point that Horizon mentioned it, and that is now at the end of the day, abuse will always happen. Abuse will always happen because people will find new ways to abuse it. I, I don't deny that. But I kind of feel that in that case, right, I think we should also have a robust monitoring system so that we can catch any outliers quickly at least. But of course, all these are talk. But in execution itself, that's a different thing altogether. I don't, that one, I don't deny that. Yeah, I don't deny that, yeah. So um, I want to jump in by saying, okay, it's a little bit of a joke. Okay, maybe I shouldn't say it's a joke, but uh, humor me. So here's the thing. I agree with the part in terms of security vulnerabilities and us building systems with 
that mindset in place that, hey, yeah, you know, things can get abused. We should always take precautions if necessary, not uh, trust that user, right, in doing the right thing always. Uh, but if we go on the extreme, I feel like that's not correct as well because, you know, okay, you know, do, you, do you guys know, you know, what, what's the most secure software in the world with no bugs? No code. <laughs> no code, yes. That's what's wrong. <laughs> If you want to build a system with no bugs, then just build a system with no code. Like, yeah, there's no bugs because there's no system. Uh, yeah. And I feel like that that's an exceedingly big penalty we put on, on, on ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, of course, yes, people will abuse it. I think then that, that's where the challenge of writing these applications come about. Now, okay, yeah, I'm playing again the devil's advocate because just, you know, someone taking one stance, which is on the security point, now I'm going on the other side, which is that, we should still encourage that level of innovation. So that's where, okay, let me go back to the original page. So I agree, yeah, stored value cards, there is that vector, uh, attack vector, right? Because now you have clients holding onto the value. They can, they have infinite time to abuse and try to crack that system. Uh, but there's, I think, doesn't that put the honors now on the system, right? Or when I say system, I'm referring to, let's say like the authority to be able to try and use a system that works. So I also you know, put in this counterpoint over here, which is, uh, I'm not sure if y'all know about this in Japan, right? Like Suica, Pasmo, it's actually a stock value card up until today. Even the one on your phone, right? It's a stock value card, okay? It's not It's not exactly, it's not that e-wallet thing, la, you know? It's not like in some backend where you compute uh, that value only from backend. That's why when you're using Suica, right? You can actually see the balance. Uh, but you can also use your phone for as the Suica card. Uh, so what's interesting over here, okay, I'm going to try to highlight it. Uh, yep, so you can see over here, it's essentially this thing called the Felica uh, technology. Uh, so the issue is that the, sorry, not the issue, the solution they have bring forward is creating a standard where that stock value card, right, can be placed inside your mobile phone as this uh, Felica chip over here. So as long as the, okay, this is only for, if I'm not wrong, only for Japanese phones, as you say over here, Japanese phone with that Felica chip would be able to act as your, uh, this public transport card as well. Again, there's pros and cons, la, which is that, yeah, maybe from the UX angle, if you have visitors coming in into the country, they can't use their credit card, they can't use their phones for this, they have to purchase a card. There is some downsides to it. But I think what they played more towards is that probably for the residents, most of the residents, would have already these tools, it's easy for them to just get on board. Uh, I, I think that that's the counterpoint I, I want to present here that hey, actually there is a proper engineering solution for this. It, it, it's there in real life as well. Yeah. Thoughts? Not really. <laughs> I kind of fully agree in a sense, but yeah, it's just like... Um, it makes sense. Uh. It makes sense yeah. because... So 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 recently in recent years Japan, especially Tokyo, run out of Suica card, run out of Suica and Passmo, so you only can buy the the welcome Suica card. And what happens is what happens is I think a lot of us when we go when we travel to Japan, we kind of box ourselves in and say that we always have to get a Passmo or or Suica card when we go to Tokyo. But in actual fact, the thing is that if you go to Osaka and get the IC card, I think Osaka is some Icoca or something like that, I can't remember. Is it Osaka or Kyoto? I can't remember. But there's 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 other IC cards from other cities, major cities as well, which you can actually bring over to the other cities that is not where it, 
where, where it's supposedly hang out to use it, which actually kind of surprised me because at least I thought, so to me, that was a blind spot like back then when I, I thought I actually have to use a speaker or a Pasmo, but turns out I can use other IC card. So actually, I think this article will have explained why that will be the case uh, because there's a standardized, there's a standard uh, across all the IC cards in, in Japan then, yeah. But I also don't know whether this explains why Android, Android phones or Google Pay or, or, or Google Pay wallet, right, cannot have a Suica card or a Pasmo card right now, whereas Apple Pay can, uh, Apple phone can actually, yeah. So I'm not too sure also whether it's this that is explaining the differences between a uh, Apple phone and a and a and a Android phone. I mean, to be honest, also the Google Pay also even have issues trying to scan certain QR codes as well in the market <laughs> right now. I'm not sure whether hey, that's, that's very true. I just had that problem today. Pay, even with pay now applicable QR codes, it didn't work for me this afternoon for lunch. Yeah, that's like why, why, like why are you even here? If G, like GPay, the whole point of the whole app is to be able to do all these kind of things in a more. Mm streamlined fashion and you can't even fail to do that the only reason why you're doing that right is because bank apps are just so much slower like i'm not sure but if you are uh, if you had used the ocbc bank uh for me i, I use ocbc bank uh for my primary uh for my primary uh transactional purposes the login page the login screen is just okay it used to be way way slower now it's still slow but like, you know, GPA is just so much faster. It gets to the payment page, like, immediately. As compared to OCBC. OCBC, it got slightly faster, but last time it was, like, super slow. So what I have to do, right, is prepare, login into the bank account, log in a bank app, and, and prepare to press the button to scan the QR code. Which is kind of ridiculous. Just, like, I have to do these kind of things. But I want to be fair to the banks, uh, because I worked in the banks before, and that is... Um, banks are very careful with your money. Really, really very careful with your money. So they spend actually a lot of money on security systems, ah, security systems and encryption systems and, and so on and so forth. And because technology is not their main gist of it, right? But they still have to push out mobile apps and everything else, right? So that's why the design back end may not be that fantastic. But you, you can be rest assured they have thought about security throughout the whole, whole design uh, which is also why I also can understand why it's so why why it takes a long time to actually lock in because they have to go and encrypt decrypt, make sure your is is your identity, make sure it's your phone, make sure it's the phone that you lock on most of the time, make sure it's also the time that you lock on most of the time, as well, uh, so that they can they can they know that it is you and then after that present the information to you because they can't present the information to someone else, they shouldn't be doing that. It's a breach of the social contract, yeah. Oh yeah, talking about the encryption thing, right? I remember, like, uh, I, 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 I currently have a colleague in, in my company. Uh, he came from the bank banking space as well. Like, he was telling, he was mentioning that, um, when you, in terms of transferring data between, between phones, right? Uh, uh okay, between, between the phone to the server, whatever. Like, they use, uh, they do use JSON, uh, but at the same time, like. So you have one layer of encryption, which is your HTTPS layer. And then within this HTTPS, it's like sending streams of data, like JSON, JSON blocks in there. 
within this JSON block, there is, uh, they have this like message field and that message field itself is encrypted. So it's like there's two layers of encryption. So when you get to the server, the first the server had to like, you know, to decrypt HTTPS traffic, that's one. And then after that, you have to go in, check the encryption standard and then decrypt the internal message. So it's like two levels of decryption each time. So basically, I guess uh, on the banking server, it's just that maybe like 50 or 60% of the CPU is just uh, encrypting and decrypting stuff. <laughs> yeah. In some sense, I'll say maybe that's also well thought out. I mean, mm -hmm. in the sense that if it's, if, if your request is jumping between networks, right, that first layer is sufficient. But with, I guess the second one, encrypting the message itself within a JSON payload, is more so that if on your device, right, within your own home network, for some reason, maybe, I don't know, somehow, like some, uh, your router or whatever is being tapped on, like anyone sniffing on uh, all of the outgoing requests essentially wouldn't be able to at least get like the entire payload directly. La. I guess it's, it's they're really trying to be really thorough uh, as much as possible. Again, security, la, I would say, I, 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 do, I do trust our, I do trust our banking mm. system in terms of security, I'll put it this way, yeah. Uh, if I'm not wrong, the framework that was mentioned, that he was mentioning, I think it was Jose, uh, J-O-S-E. So, Jose. 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 So, the full thing is like, well, JavaScript object signing and encryption. So, there's a standard for it as well. We share like, holy, first time, first time knowing this. And also, it's kind of surprising that like, you're yeah, so many, so much, so much things that the uh, encrypt and decrypt as well. So it's like, oh my gosh. So, so you're supposed to talk about solution, right? So yes, <laughs> I want to bring us back. <laughs> what other solutions would y'all would y'all go with? So okay, here's the thing. Yeah, just now we talked about the Suica thing. So one possible technical solution, like assuming we can time travel to five and a half years ago, is don't do simply go, but do maybe a simply go that is still a stored value card. But now it's on uh like some some chip system. But again, uh, yeah, there's cons to that, lah, which is you your friends can't use credit card if they're visiting Singapore. I think we have to jump we have to jump out from it and uh. jump out from it and say that at the end of the day, what we want from the system itself, right, is we want to be able to see what's a fair deducted. That's I think that's what we're looking at. Uh. So so if if that's the main concern, right, then the whole system should be designed around it. If you get what I mean. So so even even for us people, for us folks, right? I mean, I'm I'm, I'm pretty sure I can say for all of us over here is this uh, yes, currently right now we, we tap, we don't see what's being deducted, we have to go to an app. But if suddenly we can make simply go where we tap ready, we can immediately see how much value is being deducted. I think we all will still enjoy it. We all, we all will still say that, yeah, we're still going to use it. We're not going to make any noise out of it because it's an additional feature on, on it. Right, it's an additional feature on it. So I kind of feel that the, the, the solution right now is really revisit the whole, revisit the whole architecture, the whole software or software and hardware or simply go right and say that how do we bring that feature up, which is what actually to be fair, uh, our minister, our minister of transport recently announced it lah. As in, he already instructed the, the the team to to start putting up the the uh the requirements, make sure that we can actually show that uh show that to 
show the, show the balance or show the deductions uh, to the folks that I didn't know they, which I think is a good move. Lah. Uh, it, it sort of also accentuate the point that this year might be an election year also as well. So anyway, uh, yeah, I think that's a good move. I think that's a that's a that's a great plus point. And maybe you don't even have to look at it for six years. Once we are able to solve that particular feature, and that is show how much is being deducted. Yeah. I, I, I would like to borrow two words to put into that. Like essentially feature parity, right? Us trying to the new simply go system has to have minimum uh feature parity with Easling card, especially the main features people are using. Yeah. Okay, like Maybe let's not talk about things like top up and all that. Like I mean, there could be maybe different like different ways of topping up, like gyro. Like maybe the stock, uh, what's that? The fair cut machines may not be used by a lot of people, but the main yeah. things that people care about, like showing the value at the country, hundred uh, percent agree. I think that needs that should have been something they thought about from the start. But it's good that now they are looking at it again. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully they stay course on that and say that let's reach a same feature parity. Before yeah. we actually, you know, try and force another, uh, okay, don't say force, but try to go for another migration again. Mm. Uh, but that's it. Going on that point, how, how do you think they could do that though? Because now, now we're stuck with a system where you have, uh, essentially, you have a dumb, it's, I guess we call it a dumb client, right? All your logic is in the back, uh, back end right now. So yeah, yeah, computation yeah. is on back end, but it's asynchronous because you don't want to show the person the current value. So you all you care about is they tap in, you probably send like some sort of post request to the back end. They start here. They tap out. Again, send a post request. Journey ended. Uh, then after that, back end will do the computation of the fare asynchronously. I what you, wait, yeah. I kind of feel that maybe now is the time where we relook the whole fare structure. Yeah, and shouldn't have too many tiers. I kind of feel too many tiers. Right now we have actually what we call a distance-based panel. So what you mean by distance-based fare means that how much you travel on the public transport, right? You'll be charged according to that fare. And our fare can actually range from 109 all the way down to 196, no, $1.96. And it's not, it's not, it's a very, very gradual, sort of gradual and granular increase. But if you look at some of the other countries, some of the other countries or some of the other transport system, right? Their fair system, what they do is, oh, as long as you travel 1.2 kilometers, or sorry, 1.2 meters, as long as you travel less than 10 kilometers, this is one fair. 10 to 20, one fair. 30 to 30, another fair. Uh, of course, there's also other arguments as well. Like, for instance, what are you asking those people who travel only very short distance to go and sub subsidize the, the, the longer distance, uh, and, and so on and so forth? So, that, that potentially is another discussion point, to be fair. But I kind of feel that maybe now is a good time to relook at our fair structure and make it simpler. Make it simpler so it's also easier to calculate back end how much fair is being deducted. Uh. Wait, let, let me see if I understand this correctly. So you're saying because instead of trying to go down to a very granular pricing uh, as you say a uh, distance-based pricing mm. just price it according to categories 0 to 10 kilometer 10 to 15 15 to 20 like something like that yeah yeah something along that line so, so because okay 
so so why why i'm putting up this 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 point is because if you look at it right if you go down so so granular huh, in terms of pricing the distances and all these right back end we know that computing is going to be an issue the computation power is going to be an issue but if you actually go with for instance like a simple category like maybe only three categories then back end you shouldn't be too 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 much computation and actually the thing is per what we discussed be, even before the show right is some of this some of these distances can be pre-calculated already right can be pre some of these distances between the bus stops can be pre-calculated and then after that just extract from a from a cache or something like that then calculated very quickly but of course this is just a very uh big idea yet uh, if, if, if you ask me but i kind of feel that if we can go into that that might be a possible might that might be a possible solution actually i, I like that thought uh, or that solution a lot which is essentially yeah as you said cash uh, i mean all you need is when you tap the card at the station maybe mm. just do a simple get request of the current value um mm. and do that simple deduction and yeah. i mean you can maybe even cash the value on on uh, your fair card if if they want like i mean but we, we take it as maybe a eventually consistent value it's not the most accurate one maybe they can, they can even share show it on the gantry but a simplified uh, pricing system could seems like it could be a way to solve this although yeah that, that goes in a different category mm. maybe I, I kind of want to stretch it a little further and this might go into actually like government uh, I guess like housing policies and all that right but what, what do you think if we don't even have differentiated pricing like put it this way uh, I mean housing is housing given the size of Singapore right housing is housing like you know would you want to penalize people for let's say staying like you know in the uh what's that the non-central areas of singapore you want to encourage people to do that right you want to encourage people to go for less popular housing districts so if someone relocates there you know that that better singapore in in some way because the more important land right is used for you know more important things then wouldn't that uh and let's say we charge this person right the same cost let's say a person going from bunle to refer space is the same as Price is traveling from Tangjong Paga to reference place. I mean, because it's a public good, as a social good, right? Charging the same wouldn't that make even more sense then? Then you don't even need to worry too much about calculation anymore. Uh, I mean, we can go into that. Lah. I'm not saying no. Uh, I, I'm not saying no. A anyway, I'm not talking on behalf of the government anyway. <laughs> but <laughs> as an economist, I'll just say this. Ah. How I see transport system, right? It's a circulation system for the economy. So fares, bus fares, right? Regardless of how you look at it, will create friction in the circulation system. Uh, like for instance, right? For me right now, I kind of feel I have to pay a dollar dollar oh nine right for my fare for only three bus stops. Three bus stops only. I kind of feel it's a bit too much. Uh, and I kind of now. Say that hey maybe i don't want to travel so much even to my office also because what's the advantage of travel of traveling to my to my office uh the advantage will be i get maybe free icon but the food prices is actually not cheaper actually food prices is actually much cheaper at my at my place my, the hawker center that's near my place and, and, and so and so but i i digress here a bit lah. so at the end of the day the thing is this fast will create friction in the circulation system and as much as possible we should try to reduce that friction if we are 
if we are so concerned about economic growth, we should try to reduce friction in the circulation system, which is transport system as much as possible. So fares will be one of them. I think the other thing is also traveling time uh, as well. Uh, traveling time as well. So coming back, I digress a bit uh, because I, I just want to share from an, from an economist's viewpoint on how we look at transport system and all these. Uh, now, if you look at distance, right? If you look at distance, traveling from maybe from Jurong, from Bulay to, to Changi Airport, same price versus from Bulay to Pioneer, let's say. It will, I, I kind of feel it will create a lot of uh, this move. No, this illusionment is not it's not the right word. Like. It sounds a bit too 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 serious at least. But it kind of people will say that hey, why why this much money versus why well, you now you can get a longer distance. It's like it's like you go super you go supermarket, right? One dollar one dollar in this particular supermarket give you one one bunch of vegetables, whereas the other the other supermarket give you like five bunch of vegetables just for, for, for the same price. How 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 would one feel in the first place? I have a counterpoint to that, which is uh -huh. that the idea here is because public transport is only used for one purpose. Of course, okay, there can be more, but I'm saying that the sole purpose is just moving you around, moving one person around. You, you don't use it to transport goods. You don't like... Yeah, it's not used for logistics. Like logistics will be using like they have their own vehicles on the road and all that. So given that the sole purpose is moving people around as a social group, as a social good or social goods. Public good. Um, uh, public good. Uh, public good. Uh, moving a person from whatever location, A, B, C to another location, B, E, F, right? It's just, let's say, like fulfilling a purpose of whether you are going to, you know, uh, driving up like some economic activity if you're going for some leisure stuff or mm. if you are going for work you know for example that's my take on that like which is that it, it's not unfair if you see from the anger like unless if you're, uh, we are going to the point where we say okay I purchase a housing uh, within a housing estate that's a lot more close to my house and as a result I feel that yeah I feel like I'm being shortchanged because other people pay the same amount in public transport but it, th that fair itself is also not very, uh, a huge difference in my opinion. But everything that that everything that we discuss over here has many different dimensions, right? That has many different dimensions that were set the fair. To 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 say that the fair to say that the fair for regardless of the distance travel is the same. I kind of feel maybe oversimplifying it. Uh, there might be other things involved, like for instance. How will we charge? How will we charge someone? So let 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 let's look at it this way, lah. So so let's think about this example I have. So let's say for instance, if you travel from, um, no, not not travel. Let's say per road per per one kilometer road that you use, right, costs ten dollars to maintain. Cost ten dollars to maintain, ah, from a from from a government perspective, right? Cost ten dollars to maintain. But now you're introducing and says that regardless of how much road usage it is, right, it will be the same pricing. So how would you price? How would you price it then in that in that case? How will you price it so that it's fair and still can cover my maintenance cost? You're talking about the 
railway tracks, right? Not not public roads for like. I mean, drive, even uh, public I mean, roads is more or less the same, right? There's there's maintenance, mm. there's maintenance per 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 kilometer road. Days, yeah. I have to pay. I have to pay people to repave the 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 road again. I have to buy materials mm. and all this also, right? So so how do we price it so that people will feel? Yeah, I I'm not I'm not priced out or I'm not. I'm okay with it because I'm not subsidizing anyone else or something along that line. Right? So mm. I kind of feel that that's where that's where if you say it's the same pricing, right? We might be oversimplifying looking at it. Yeah. No, I, I definitely agree on that part. Like if and I, I know you're trying to draw that parallel in between public transport and private transport, right? And mm. I'll I would say that that naming itself kind of already show the difference, which is if it's private transport, even if it's public roads, you're not like essentially yes, the road itself is the uh, a public good, but your vehicle is not the public good. So you using your vehicle private mode of transport on that public good, right? Essentially, still incur some level of cost uh, for the economy, and the preferred public good itself is public transport. But why the same logic does it extend on both sides? Because Essentially, itself public transport. Like I mean, that we shouldn't be, as you say, right? You know, friction for the economy, or rather, if you want, uh, what's that? The it to drive that economic activity, right? Yeah. Whether a person is trying to travel from A to B, right? And the A to B can be multiple times longer as compared to another person from C to D. Mm. Uh, again, also traveling to work. But the idea is just that they are staying in different places. They are still trying to do the same purpose. Hence. In some ways, penalizing the person that's traveling a longer distance, even though they may not be able to afford, let's say, a, a house closer to the city center, and let's say they're traveling to the city center as well, is is a form of penalty, lah. Okay, sorry, but maybe I'm digressing too much. I think that 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 itself is a very different, I guess, social economic uh, debate. No, that that other. other day. Uh, to be fair, there there are other things involved, like, I I'll just say mm. because there are also urban planning involved, right? Like for instance, why do you? Why do we really need to travel from maybe Bunei to Changi for work? What if what if I I I I say now you can work remotely? Then you don't really have to spend the money to 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 travel with you, right? In 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 that but case, but that same thing extends to everything else. Like let's say you know public toilets at uh MRT stations, right? Actually, you don't even you tap in the MRT station to use the public toilet, but mm. I'm sure you're fair that you that you tap in right, like the amount you pay the MRT. You yeah. are paying for the maintenance of the toilet. And I can say that, let's say, you know, throughout my whole life, let's say I don't use that toilet, right? Then why am I paying for it? Like, why am I paying for public public good? But because it's, it's for the good of everyone, like, in the sense that everyone is charged equally to sustain that cost. Like. So Actually, that, really, that's yeah. more of my point. Not really, not really. From really? a con point of view, it's a, it's a different thing altogether. You pay tax, right? So your tax is actually paying for all these toilets that you may not be using or the roads that you may not be using also. No, but this is SMRT. This is MRT. I'll, I'll, uh, uh, I don't think it's government in that case. No, no, no. So, I, I so think... party now, remember, there was a change in the policy. Uh, so all the infrastructure now all goes back to the government. Government is the one that does the maintenance. Contracts. Okay, that's true. Contracts. Service contracts are now outsourced, but not, not the ownership of, not the ownership and maintenance of the infrastructure. So, so, to be, so the pricing can be a bit of a, a, a challenge, uh, to be fair. Uh, uh, I mean, we are not policymakers. I think we can only debate what we see are possible, are possible costs and, and, and challenges. And I think 
going back the same thing again, I think it's always good that that the government agency try to communicate as much as possible to to the population so that we can make a better decision on what what can be done, what cannot be done, and whether you have done your best, and so on and so forth. Yeah. But okay, anyway, I want to say, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, I just. But coming back again, like I said, I think the thing is what we need to solve, like, We need to solve that that computation layer, like, How how can we optimize the computation at the end of the day so that the fast can be shared, can be shown, like, when we tap, when we tap up. Yeah. Actually, yeah, I hundred percent agree with. Uh, okay, I keep using the word hundred percent, but because this builds on on one of the ideas that actually I wrote down and, and I told told you all before this session, which is the sort of making a simple get call rather than doing just one post call to the backend. Then you do the entire computation to show the the results, right? Rather than that, why not just yeah? If it, if the computation is simple, maybe every day at midnight when MRT is closed for maintenance, buses are closed for maintenance, just download a new policy of all of the, the prices or the charges, as you're saying, right? The pricing model. Then the next day when operation runs, right? All you need to do is every time you tap, do a get call, get your current balance, and then just do a simple deduction to show, okay, this is the potential amount uh, that like, you know, left on your card or something like that. Lah. And hopefully by the time you go from, let's say, MRT to bus, maybe that value is already changed when you make the second get call, uh, yeah. when, when you go on the bus and exit the bus. Uh, Harizan, I, I, I think you want to jump in, right? Go ahead. Yeah, I will, I will just say one thing. Like whatever thing that we are trying to get across the network, um, get mm. call to get account balance or do calculation of anything they've done over the network. The one big assumption here is the network is reliable. It's a very big assumption. And as uh, I think for those who, are, who will be doing this now or doing this in the, in the future, there's a one assumption that's also said in the policies of microservices or something, is that assumption that the network is, uh, reliable, uh, is reliable, domain uh, DNS systems are, you know, irrefutable, like, you know, it always works and it always gives the right result, which is never true. Like the problem DNS, DNS is always like a pain of some of these network and uh, network things. Um, yeah, so that's the thing. Like, uh, even when we say, okay, um, the person taps in in this place, right? How can we know for certain that maybe the network in the in his arrival station maybe is not working and then it didn't fetch the results uh the results that he tapped into the station in time or maybe the data got lost who knows all these things could happen and if this is not taken into account right uh a person like a group of people not being able to tap up is a bigger problem as compared to as compared to us uh, yeah, yeah, like a group of people not being able to tap out is, is kind of a big thing. Like, you know, when you, you got a hindrance to uh, to human traffic, and if you got a situation like today, I'm not sure whether you uh, you guys went to the train station today, but apparently the circle line is has issues again. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. and, and you know, if you have a whole bunch of people that's not being able to tap out or something like that, and all like stop at the turnstile or the, or the thing, then there'll be an issue. So yeah, I, I, I say like all the problems with all server-based server based communication all boils down to that network is unreliable. We cannot depend on it 
completely 100%. Even if we say um, we would like to cache data, uh, maybe we have this ultimate mega master database somewhere in the center of Singapore or something, they're able to send all the data across all traffic stations. But why if we come to a scenario where, okay, let's, let's assume, let's assume that, you know, the data being transmitted from the country it, uh, is communicating over wireless. But what we have, and then you know, they made that the cheapest rather than like you know having wires all over the all over the and digging through the entire train station just to connect it all up to the server, to a to a router to send the traffic somewhere. So let's say everything will communicate wireless. Now what if you have a situation like a Coldplay concert? You have like a hundred thousand people, or, or maybe more, at the train station. They hog up the network. Now you're now none of the communication is going through. So I'm not sure, but maybe if you have tried to go to <laughs> such a situation, you try to use Facebook or something, nothing gets loaded. All the traffic is just lost. All the traffic is just being hawked down by other people. So wireless is definitely no, no go. So you have to use a wired connection. Wired connection also, anything can happen to the wire. Like maybe the wire get freed. Maybe the wire is not transmitting, the electrical signal is lost anything can happen router anything can happen so it's just like so many like the moment you have all these additional hops right you just so many things can go wrong that's why like with the uh i think the uh, the current architecture of how it how things are done just with a simple blacklist or whether a person should or not uh, or should not go out of the thing and like because like basically a blacklist like basically say that maybe it's like they really really have to top up or uh because like they are really like uh, abusing the system in a, in a certain sense. Basically, it's like a blacklist abuse abuse system. It's not it's not a a, a fair calculation. It, it feels more like an abuse system. It's like trying to catch those those who are abusing it in a way. That's why it feels. That's why I uh, I I kind of think or I feel that the how it's currently designed. So the abusers are going to be a small small a real minor a minority as compared to the entire large data set. Which is easy to catch, as compared to like doing calculation for everyone. Why not just do the calculation for the tiny minority, the abusers? Which I think like the current system does does it in a pretty decent fashion. But then again, I, I fall back to my what what I my originally feel about the entire thing. Just like you know, maybe don't show this accounting in the first place. So yeah, that's my two cents. <laughs> no, but it, I I think you point out something that the thing is this. I think all day. If you look at the history of the whole, the whole, the whole thing, including legacy, right? At the end of the day, we are trying to patch a system as we catch more fraud. Yeah. Now, why not? The thing is, why not simply go becomes a. Okay, now we have learned all these lessons about abuse and whatever, right? How do we bring these lessons in? How do we bring all these lessons from? How people really want to use simply go in and then rebuild the whole system uh. and maybe maybe i should change the word to simply rebuild rather than simply go yeah because not easy though i mean the both of you are, are at the tech are the back end tech and then you think about it you really got some issues and yeah i i, I only just came from, come from the data and computation side no and i also don't think it's an easy easy problem to solve like, because given given the the, the legacy that's happening right now. So maybe you should rethink about it. And maybe you should come from a point of, yeah, let's trust everyone, but we have a system to catch the fraud faster so that we can stop the fraud 
order bills faster compared to last time. Uh, maybe that could be a better better way. Yeah. I feel like the conversation is going towards a very idealistic system. <laughs> I'm not sure how to continue on that. Uh, but do oh, go ahead too. No, I don't. I don't deny. I don't deny like, I think all day, whatever that just like I mentioned, all these are a bit motherhood. Like. I mean, when it comes to execution itself, I don't deny that. I think there are, there are still other 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 challenges involved. But I think the point I want to drive at is more of like maybe let's take a different perspective. Like. Let's not let's drop the legacy let's drop the legacy burden and let's re, re, re look at the whole thing redesign the whole thing again and that's why i said simply rebuild uh, rather rather than simply go yeah well it's not our job to think about this in a yeah. sense so yeah. that's why just like we just put inspirations or aspirations uh, forward just like mm. oh we hope the system can do this because like all i, I all i want i already have already so like i don't want any more changes I'm not sure yeah. Cuckoo probably like have like more like I do you even want the stock balance thing to be shown? I guess it's a good thing to have, I suppose. Uh, or I go back to a point. I, I actually I do I do want to look at the balance uh, because there are times there were times that I was I was charged wrongly. Uh there are times that I was charged wrongly. I mean, okay, to be fair, to be fair, huh, to be fair, maybe the last two or three years I only caught one or two transactions that were that were that were wrong or or missing missing the boarding uh, sorry missing the lighting station uh and i came back maybe like 40 cent 40 cent or 50 cent uh, after the two out of the two years and all this uh. but then i'm not i'm not going to cover my stinginess or whatever but i kind of feel that yes i'm privileged enough i'm privileged enough maybe 50 cents to me is not not an issue but the point probably I want to drive at would be there are people who who struggle without without even the fifty cent. Even though now fifty cent really cannot buy much, if you ask me, given the inflation and all this part. I think there are people who are struggling now. Uh, um, and I put, and let's say if I were to really rebuild the system, this is just a thought. Uh, just just a quick thought. Maybe if I were to really rebuild the system and all this, right, I'll just say that don't worry, just keep on tapping in and tapping out. We will record the transaction at the end or at, at, at the back end. But what we'll do is we'll charge you, we'll charge you at the end of a week or something along that line time. So you can it can be charged to your credit card, it can be charged to maybe to your POSB account. At the end of the day. And so it's it's something like a healthcare system, like you 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 go for your healthcare first, but then we we talk about payment later. Maybe that that, that could be something that we want to look at especially for the lower tier income income folks but isn't isn't that more like simply go right now like that is charged later in, in some sense no it's, it's because you're using credit card right the uh, one that's struggling to migrate over is those people who are using easy which is the account based uh which is the stock value based card so you're saying something like the stock value card of easily make it have a crediting feature where yeah, you just tap it first. Then at the end of the week, they will show you, and then you decide whether you pay for it or not, or you dispute yeah, those. Yeah, yeah, correct, correct. Yeah. Ah, okay. That's that's my way of looking at it. Yeah. Then so you at least the, the lower. Is... Yeah, but I think it's 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 too much a step. This time around, it's too much a step for the government to take. Uh, if we were to go down that route. Yeah. 
yeah. It, it, what you said about the rebuild thing, actually, I agree. Like it, for them to go to that extent, right? It's probably a next generation system already. Uh, I don't think this can work for Simply Go because Simply Go is, is back end based. Like I think, um, what you're mentioning probably still okay. Wait, no, sorry. Your solution actually can still use back end. Never mind. Uh, but whatever. If we are not thinking about solving using that solution, if we're thinking about showing the balance, then it still needs some level of stored value or cash value on the card. La. So the rebuilding part, I definitely do agree. Yeah. Definitely there's some if if they really want to solve this properly. Uh, I mean we, we can go down we go we can go down this rabbit hole of asking why 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 would people be concerned about how much they are being deducted? Because at the end of the day, it could be because of the frustration of topping up. Or it could be the frustration that Oh, if I don't top up now, I cannot go back home today. So if if we do a if we do a sort of honest basis where that means we just record all the transactions and then you can pay back later, you actually remove all this frustration. You actually remove the need for top up. You actually remove the need for 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 showing the account balance. Even backend wise, also you that will actually be a big positive because like now you don't have to do transactions in real time. There's no need yeah. for performance in a sense. Exactly. All like, you need to do is just gather the ID of the cards. Yeah. And then at the end of it, compute. It's a bit. It's a bulk compute, I guess. Right. So it is a big plus. I would say from backend wise. Yeah. You can do batch. You can do batch processing. Batch. You can yeah, do batch, batch processing already. Yeah. And then so I agree. So so. Like what Harizan mentioned, right? So I probably will record down the card ID, the boarding station, and the time of the boarding station, uh, a lighting station, and also the time of the lighting station. All these I record back, and I don't have to show the balance whatever because I I trust that you'll pay somehow somehow rather you'll be you'll find a way to pay back later. Uh, and and the best part is this: you don't even have to ask people to 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 apply for transport vouchers anymore. Because all I have to do is just look at, just look at you, just look at the card. Oh no! Um, if we tie the card ID to IC number, okay. I, 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 <laughs> I, yeah, I, sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah, maybe scratch, scratch why, what I mentioned because I just thought maybe yeah, you don't really have to apply for a transport voucher. No, actually, you still do lah. You still do, but at least you can. Mm. There's a way to use a web, there's a way to use, look at your transactions and then use the transport voucher to sort of offset those transactions. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. as long as the events are there, like as you say, just go by state starting station, time, blah blah blah, ending mm. station, then that batch computation, do the offset of the discount or vouchers on top of that. That or concession, maybe concession, you can even just do don't do a call. What do you call it? The computation because concession would just mean that this is all doesn't exist at all. I mean the yeah. cost itself. Yeah. Yeah. And you still can okay. you still can retain your your distance based the current distance based uh your pricing. Yeah. Actually, you can change the policy like crazy and like you know <laughs> you can do experiments with it like oh how much more will it cost to a certain group of people? Like, oh my god, you have all these data now. I mean you, you have all of... the data now, but yeah. True. True. Really? Anyway, yeah. I, I do want to answer one of your earlier questions that you asked who, right? I, I just feel interested that I, I, I want to answer that, which is you, you asked the question on uh like just now you said your stance is simply go is better because you don't need to see the fair anymore. And you feel that a migration to that just makes sense. Like don't, don't even worry about 
the group that doesn't need to see the fair. La. I mean, because it's it's it upgrade in that sense. Uh, and then I think uh, cool your anger was different, right? Let me see if I recall. Okay, yeah, you still want to be able to see the fair. Uh, I want to answer for my POV, which is that, okay, maybe not going from it as a user, but I think going from it from the engineering standpoint, I do feel like this is, given that this is a public system at the level of a country, it just, it just seems very odd that the when it was first, um, uh, what do you call it, conceptualized, I think just now some, someone mentioned about, you know, when, when this idea was first thought about, when it was green-lighted, right? Why was it green-lighted without getting full feature parity? Um, I think that's a little bit of a problem that like, is this how we do engineering in Singapore? Like, I mean, shouldn't be. La. I mean, even if that feature is not needed, unless if the feature is used by what 0.001% of your audience, um, then okay. La. But the thing is, yeah, was there enough user research to say that, hey, you know, this is deprecate this feature, like millions of users on this system, right? But you want to deprecate this feature without even checking if they still need it. I, I think that it's a problem. Right? And then the entire thing where it has took five years and you still have 30% of your users on the older system. I think that kind of highlights the whole thing where, yeah, there's something wrong there. Like it, it seems like a big experiment. Uh, what would we call this? Uh, the uh, A-B test gone wrong where your A, right? You do have like people who move to that, but you, then you still have a sizable like people in the B area who still wants to use the system. They don't really want to upgrade. Yeah, no, it's that, that's AB. my take on that. La. It's not AB, it's blue green deployment. <laughs> it's basically you have a diff two different systems. And then you no, have no, but blue green deployment is saying that you only blue is alive at one time, green is alive at one time. So when you switch over, but this one is a bit like saying that okay, I oh, it's it's also not really AB test la, because your it's A and B yeah. people can kind of move in, in each area. But I'm saying, like, if you look at it as an AB thing, right, your B people, right, which is let's say 30%, it's kind of telling you they don't want to move. And it's a bit of a when you look at it as the outcome there, it kind of shows that yeah, it wasn't successful uh, for this last five and a half years. Maybe that's telling okay. that surveys don't exactly like surveys slash focus group don't really work well. Maybe it does go down the Google path of like you know, just taking something away and just see what happens. Like you won't know that you will you will miss the thing until the thing really goes away. Right. <laughs> For the record, Google, I want to tell you that I love you. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, jokes aside, uh, I think we've hit almost two hours in the session so far. And I think we covered a lot of ground. Uh, I think that this is a good stopping point. We even talked about some really great solutions. I think Suika was one of it, like, you know, replicating that. There's downsides. But I think there was also uh, another solution that uh, Ku mentioned earlier on. Simplified pricing so that you can actually do uh, caching and easy computation on uh, your front end, which is at the gantry level. Like, it doesn't even need to be committed or transaction committed on your front end. It can be like, yeah, eventually consistent, but just make it simple to compute. Like, I think that these are some interesting solutions. Um, hopefully, like, you know, the in terms of the government, them looking at investing time and effort to now try to really solve this problem before going ahead of Simply Go. Hopefully they'll do something like this or maybe like some other solution. We, we can only see in the next few years. Uh, but that's it. Yeah, this has been an interesting topic. Cool, go ahead. No, I just hope I just hope our government don't spend really the $40 million oh. to maintain it. I, 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 I really hope it come up with some some solution to do it. I Yeah, $40 million maybe to the government may not be a lot of money, but to us commoners and, and taxpayers, oh, that, that may be a lot. 
a lot that we are paid. Uh. Yeah, put it this way. So anyway, I don't go into politics too much. To, to quote you just now, uh, forty million mistake or oh, fourteen dollar, fourteen million dollar mistake. Yeah, yes, yeah. it really strikes uh true at the heart of it, lah. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, okay. we should, we should, we should, yeah, stop. <laughs> okay, so uh, let me bring my slides back in. So, yeah, uh, I know it's a blank screen right now. I'll, I'll change the slides in a bit, but this is uh the simply go discussion on the engineering aspect on it also on i think some parts of it as us as singaporeans and i hope you guys have uh enjoyed you know our bantering over here on the solutions and uh, our standpoints on it uh yeah hopefully we get we see something good come out in the next few years and also like you know taking into account things like uh the uh, redundancy high availability i think that horizon also mentioned you know what if the system goes down uh, hopefully i think you know being able to show that uh the quality of our engineering as well, like, you know, so even software engineering hardware at the level of our country. Um, so I'm going to do a little bit of advertising for the next event. So we do have one coming up next Saturday. Uh, bam. Okay, so I've the title of my next topic, uh, this podcast segment is called Tech Trifecta. Like I've invited a product manager and a uh, designer that I worked with before, so wanted to you know take this chance to discuss about hey you know as a a product uh application team right you know we're building a single application together as a designer to product to engineering how can we work best together to get something out you know in the best way possible in the earliest time on the most efficient way uh, we're gonna discuss about you know different aspects of that and see uh you know is that a good answer to that yeah uh yeah just to show a little bit about yep so that this is my speakers in the coming weeks uh yeah stephanie and shirley uh so yeah we'll, we'll share more details on that in due time and with that uh more socials if you like the content you've heard today please 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 do subscribe to you know our youtube facebook uh, and linkedin as well uh do say hi as well you know if you are watching this in the future too um, yeah, so with that, uh, we've end off in terms of our content today. Uh, hope you have enjoyed it. Uh, and yeah, have a good night and a long CNY weekend, which is coming right up in the next few days. All right, see you guys. Bye bye, Horizon. Bye bye, Ku. Bye.